0: Hi, I'm Jenny Lee Hodgins. Welcome to your Creative Cord podcast. If you're new to YCC, here you'll get empowering strategies for nurturing creativity and inspiration. Could you use some help learning the art of prioritization and focus to achieve your goals? Get Team YCC's free checklist on how to prioritize for best results when you join Team YCC at yourcreativecord.com forward slash sign up here. That's yourcreativecord, C-H-O-R-D, yourcreativecord.com forward slash sign up here. Today's episode features composer Tracy Callahan. In addition to Tracy's original musical called Better Than Fine, currently in rehearsal, her musical background has forayed beyond musical theater into creating video game scores and sound design. She now balances composing her original game music, sound design, effects, and musical theater works while performing as an actress-singer in local and regional theater productions. Today's episode features part two of my discussion with music composer Tracy Callahan. You can find part one in the notes below and on the podcast section of yourcreativechord.com. Part one was a more universally artist-focused dialogue about the creative process, how being a woman impacts that process, and a snapshot walkthrough of how Callahan created her songs for her upcoming original musical, Better Than Fine. In this episode, Tracy and I discuss her video game music composing process, the tools necessary for implementing game music, and how she created and plans to launch her first original musical, Better Than Fine. Here we go. We were just talking about how you got started composing for video games, and you played the game as a community staff member and storyteller for 16 years, and you were explaining to me that that's kind of a role, like an admin role, but also it kind of, you shape directions of the storytelling as part of that role
1: guiding and encouraging and maybe coming up with the start of the idea and then keep things moving. If they get stuck, that kind of thing.
0: That's so interesting. So as a gamer, you at one point wrote a song or sorry, a piece of music and submitted it to a company that was making a game. They'd asked for a track and then it went nowhere. And then Mm -hmm. 17 years later, (laughs) some of your buddies that you had, you know, you know, good friends with, as you've been playing these games, they came to you with an uh, instant message asking, they were forming a game company themselves, and they asked you to send a few tracks, some concepts.
1: And then I sent tracks over, I got some feedback, I was asked to rewrite a couple of things and try a couple of different things. And after a few back and forths, we were like, hey, this works. Okay.
0: How do you come up with a musical idea that you feel confident is fitting to an actual game? Do you think that your game playing and your exposure to that music within games influenced the way that you came up with ideas, or do you think it's not relevant?
1: I think it does have an influence just in the fact that you're used to associating different kinds of music with different parts of gameplay. So for example, depending on the style of game, if there's a big fight, the music will tell you there's a big fight. Right. So there's kind of a structural thing that you absorb as a player if you are able to step back and think about what you're used to hearing. However, a lot of the uh, foundation for me of writing music for a game is a lot like I imagine it would be writing for film, because they're to set a mood and enhance a story, and that's really all it does.
0: We're admins of Women Composer Collective. Shout out to Women's Composer Yay! Collective on Facebook. <laughs> Come and join us. And I'm also an admin for the Film Scoring, scoring and Orchestration, orchestration Apply. But all, both of those groups and other groups that we're in are about film scoring and people mm-hmm. that are interested in writing music for it or directors that are interested in meeting composers in that. We often see and I often instigate conversations about how <laughs> how is writing game music similar to or different from, you know, composing for film. And I often get the same kind of response from many people that game music and film music are similar in that what you just said that you write music for a scene or a mood or a character or a setting. Mm -hmm. But I also get some real distinct differences. Writing music for game is very different from film music, in that it is not quote, linear. Yes. End quote. Can you yeah. tell me what that means from your perspective as a game music composer?
1: Sure. The biggest thing for me is that in a film, if you're scoring, let's say, you know, a, a shot in a film, you know how long you're going to have to musically fill between point A and point B.
0: Right.
1: Whereas with a game, if I am faster or slower walking around in the world, or I put the controller down to go get a glass of water, the music needs to not get to point B before I do. So it needs to be able to be flexible enough that if there are hit points in your score, they happen when they need to, and that's not a predetermined time.
0: The music that you write for games is completely dependent on the player's action or non-action, as you just described. You know, they go and get a drink of water. So what's the music doing while you're pausing? Is just looping over and over on something until they do something?
1: Sometimes. Um, and, and there are points in a game... Where the music is linear for brief periods of time. So like if there's a what they call a cutscene, which is a cinematic scene in the game. Okay. That music would be very much like a film score. Right. Or like there are certain moments that you can go, this is gonna happen here. And when I describe the whole point A to point B thing, those yeah. would be point A. You can okay. start off linear. But then yeah, you do use a lot of looping music that is not annoying
0: hopefully. How would you make music that's not annoying to the listener?
1: For me there are a couple of different things that I focus on. One is if I'm going to have a loop it needs to be relatively long and by relatively long I would say most of my loops are about two and a half to three minutes. And within that loop, there needs to be some variation, whether it be an instrument change right. or a tonality kind of change or something so that you're not listening to
0: same, 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 yeah. the
1: same 30 seconds of music ad infinitum. Now, there is some great game music that did that, that had like a minute or so of music that just kept repeating over and over okay. again. Uh, the Super <clears> Mario <throat> Brothers theme, which right. is probably one of the game songs that everyone in the world would recognize isn't very long and does play over and over and over again.
0: Right.
1: But it was also a different time. It was a different style. And you weren't going to be walking around in an open world game for three hours.
0: Right.
1: Solving quests with a similar soundscape behind you. So try not to make the loops super short. Try to make them interesting. Counterintuitive to me. Unintrusive and sometimes less melodic.
0: Okay. Th- that's what I was going to ask about because when you mentioned, uh, because maybe melodic, that sticks in your ear a little too much mm-hmm. and it's too familiar when you repeat it so much. But you mentioned that within a loop, you want, in game music, when you're looping the music, you want to make it less annoying by creating some variations with maybe tonality, uh, but not necessarily melodic variations, you're saying. What about rhythmic or instrumentation? Do you change any of that within your loops, the rhythm and the instrumentation?
1: I do a lot of instrumentation changes. Um, that's probably my go-to easy fix for, okay. I need this minute and a half to be three minutes long. Okay, let's do it a second time with different instruments.
0: That helps, yeah. um,
1: It's a big time saver for me, and it's also... It's interesting enough, whether it's a melodic piece or a very background rhythmic kind of piece, just having that shift is enough for someone to go. It it almost lets you relax.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's like a breathing space almost. Mm -hmm. What about rhythmic changes? Do you feel that that's a little too abrupt within loops to make variations with?
1: Most of the time. Yeah. For me, like you almost uh, for me. I'm going to right. say that a lot, I guess.
0: Uh, <laughs> I, I am settle... talking to you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I settle into a rhythmic pattern with a loop where uh, whatever that pattern may be, and it may be, you know, uh, an odd <clears throat> rhythm that has like a syncopation in it somewhere or uh, something like that. But when once I have that pattern established, I pretty much want to stick to it until I get to an, another hit point. Okay. Because to me, that helps kind of keep it less, less obtrusive, less noticeable.
0: So, And, like, and that hit point would probably stand out a lot more if you don't def- defer the, I mean, if you don't make a differentiation in the rhythm uh, until that next scene or hit point or whatever. Spoken okay. like a true non-gamer. <laughs> <laughs> How much of the production side do you handle with regard to the video game music and sound design? Are all the musical instruments heard on your audio tracks From sample libraries, or do you perform any instrumental vocal parts?
1: I use mostly virtual instruments. I do add in some of my vocals, uh, usually distorted and used in a way that doesn't sound like vocals. They end up as part of the, the synthesized background a lot. The occasional flute and penny whistle, that would be a real mood setting, kind of an instrument choice for like, you're in the tavern in a medieval setting or something like that where it would fit. When it's the music, it's usually me singing along inside of a synthesizer part. Okay. And so my, I'm just adding another color to that synth. In sound design, I've so far done all of the voiceover work for the games I've worked on. Oh, okay. Um, And also, along with that, the sound effects that would be voices like uh, screams and breathing and things like that.
0: How much of the production side do you handle with regard to the game music and the sound design?
1: Depending on what it is, uh, a lot of it is either me going in directly to the software and, and using those tools to like time things or attach things to certain objects and he like creates the implementation setup and the production setup for me and then i kind of go in and plug things in and tinker with them and make them sound good
0: many people don't realize when you're wanting to get into game music that the production side means two different things depending on what you're doing with the game so do you do your own mixing and mastering or any of that sort of thing
1: i do for now I would prefer not to. I like having an, extra, an outside set of ears.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Because, you know, you've you you know, you've worked with a song for so long or a cue for so long and it sounds the way it sounds in your head and, and you're done. The few times I've been able to get uh, somebody else's hands on my music to either mix it or master it or even just edit it, they've come out a lot better.
0: Just like as a composer, you set your yeah. ideas aside to refresh your ears, yeah. and that makes total sense. I hear that a lot with musicians that do their own mixing. Even mixer mix engineers that are mixing for others, they want to get away from it and refresh their ears and then go back to it kind of mm-hmm. thing. So that kind of makes sense. There are a lot of composers that are aspiring to make money from composing, and if you're not a game player, is it a disadvantage for someone who wants to compose music for games?
1: I think it is, but not a serious one. Just like musicians, mm-hmm. if you've gone through, you know, a certain amount of training, you have a language that you can speak together, and it's easier for you to communicate what you want and what you're giving and all of that to another musician. With gaming, it's kind of similar that you have common references. So if someone were to say to you, well, I really want you to write it, same idea, but can you do it in the style of X game over here? Gotcha. Gotcha. We really like that sound, but we were like, your idea is, well, if you don't know what that sound is, you can go and listen to the soundtrack, which is why I'm saying it's not a huge disadvantage. But if you've played the game, that's in your head. Sometimes people will say, and I, I think I agree with this, if you love games and you can have conversations about different aspects of them, if you're working with a developer, like they they can feel that and hear that Right. and therefore they might enjoy working with you a little right. bit more. You might get rehired a little bit more. Right. Um, but if you write amazing music and you're able to give them what they need, I, I think that that's what it boils down to.
0: What advice would you give someone who'd like to compose for games in regard to the most useful skills needed?
1: We're going to set aside composition skills, because if you want to compose music for anything, it's pretty much understood that you are a composer and you know music. Communication is the biggest thing, I would say. A lot of it is done remotely. You need to be open and really good communication and really able to almost understand where your communication failures are.
0: I think a lot of people don't know what good communication is. Can you be more specific about, when you're dealing with game developers, what would indicate good communication skills from the composer's perspective?
1: Okay, Uh, so I should communicate that better.
0: Um,
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think that uh, to be very open to what they're saying, and what I mean by that Mm. is, if you're talking to the artist and the code writer, they all have their own hurdles that they're dealing with in, in building the game and they all have their own angles that they come from as far as like what's important what is a, a deal breaker um what's on fire right now over there in their life uh so just having that in your mind when you're having a conversation and being aware of that this thing is really important to you but it's like 17th on their list right you know allows you to take a bit of a step back sometimes when you feel like you're about to get into like a
0: right so it's kind of like prioritize them over you
1: <laughs> yes which because... is normal
0: for for any kind of good communication yeah
1: and honestly for for any kind of collaborative project right, right. You know, your needs have to be the most important to you but they don't have to be the most important to the whole world
0: exactly well stated well communicated okay um, <laughs>
1: And I think the other thing, at least from my experience so far, has been being able to when you do have a a viewpoint about something that's very different from what you're seeing expressed, explain well where it's coming from. The two gentlemen that I work with and I have very different styles of gaming. We all like different kinds of games. And we are, there are things out there that will talk about the archetypes of different kinds of game players. And we're all different archetypes. Interesting. So when someone proposes an idea and I'm like, oh my God, I hate that so much. Being (laughs) able to say, because if I were playing a game and this happened, I would quit because it's no longer fun because that's what my kind of player does. Being able to like back up Mm. your opinions with, again, that shared language.
0: Don't reject their new ideas just because they're different.
1: And if you yeah. are going to reject them, be able to explain why really clearly. Right. If there's ever a, a a serious debate over, you know, what's going to happen, I'm writing music for their game.
0: Right. And that's part of that communication dialogue, working your way to see each other's perspective. And if you're that far away, just continue having that dialogue until you get a little, a, a little more clear on where they're coming from. That helps you get there, I guess, uh, yeah. little by little. And I, I find that really important with dialogue, um, like you said, for any kind of collaborative and any kind of conversation. You know, you're coming <laughs> from a different place. Well, how do we meet? How do we get there? We have to keep explaining ourselves and keep listening to where they're coming from. What technology is needed when you're composing music for their games?
1: In addition to kind of your normal composing things, so whatever notation you use, whether it's pen and paper or software, your digital audio workstation. I use Reaper.
0: You send them what? Audio files or MP3s or?
1: I will send them sometimes MP3s in, we have a a Discord server and a Slack and all of those things to communicate. Or if it's some simple sound effect that I know is going to be fine, I'll just put it directly into the game software. We're working in Unity, which is one of the two larger...
0: Video game software. Video game software,
1: yeah. I did have to learn a lot about Unity in order to do that. Still learning a lot about Unity. How did you learn it? Some of it was just kind of going in there and getting my hands dirty and just breaking things and trying things. They have some really good help documentation that I go to a lot. And the only game so far that I've been a part of that's finished and has been released started as that kind of thing. It was actually a project that um, Cole and I started in order to
0: break things. In order to break things? What do you mean?
1: Learning things by severe trial and error.
0: (laughs) The technology that you need to compose for these games are that software program where you just write your melody and your chord chart. And you okay. use your DAW, your Reaper, and sometimes you'll send them MP3s or whatever on your Discord server on Slack if, just to mm-hmm. see if they're okay with it. Other times you put smaller things like sound effects directly into games uh, using Unity, the indie game software. And t- learning Unity, you, you've you been learning Unity just by playing around with the software in using their um, help docs, how complicated is that for a comp as, coming at, as a composer? How hard it is, is it to learn unity? I've heard a lot of talk about unity being the important thing for people that want to compose for games to understand versus I'm just going to write the music and throw it at you guys and you guys figure out how to implement it. Cause some people do it that way. You
1: know? Oh yeah. You said that depending on the size of the team that you're working with, especially for like an indie game, especially a smaller studio, you might be wearing a lot of hats. The more hats right, you can right. wear, you know, the, also the more likely you are to get work because you're useful. Right. Um, Good point. I have taken a couple of classes, like online classes as well. Okay. Uh, uh, more on the code side, but also um, with some getting more comfortable with Unity. There's a great series of classes, a C++ programming class combined with a Unity class <laughs> where you're actually building games and implementing different parts of games while learning how to write the code to go with them.
0: How did you find that particular class?
1: I did a Google search. I was um, incredibly frustrated trying to fix something and had been working in Unity for about six months. Like, I really should, at least at the basic level, be able to do (coughs) a lot of this myself. So I googled and Unity and this course popped up in my google feed so
0: tell me again what is c sharp what kind of a program is that
1: it's a programming language like a coding language okay gotcha
0: okay what technology <laughs> music gear or skill sets do you feel are essential to your music making and sound design for games i think we kind of covered that a little bit your notation software your daw your digital audio workstation some kind of server where you can pass the music or the sound back and forth for your team to check out learning unity, learning C sharp for the coding part of it. Is there anything else I missed on that? What do you think is essential, whether it's technology music or skill sets?
1: I'm starting to learn also wise, which is a middleware. Oh, that's another one. Yeah. And I don't know yet if I would say it's essential, but I'm thinking it's really useful because all of the audio jobs that I keep looking at, want you to know how to do it. So they have their own um, learning documentation and course and certification and all of that. Some kind of a middleware, uh, some kind of a gaming platform, whether it's Unity or Unreal Engine is another, the other big one. So being, being comfortable in some kind of notation software, some kind of DAW, some kind of gaming platform construction, and some kind of middleware.
0: You didn't know much about gaming platform or middleware software until you started getting more involved with creating the music for the game developers that you're working with, and then you saw the necessity of how helpful it would be. Yes, and even
1: worse, I'd also never used a (laughs) doll. Oh,
0: you're just jumping in with all fours. That's Uh, awesome. That's typical for anybody nowadays trying to write music that we have to learn, constantly have to learn software for something. Your original musical is called Better Than Fine. And it is currently in rehearsal in Tampa Bay area. Tell us about the story, first of all, and what role you had in creating the music lyrics and the script or the book.
1: The story is about two women who are good friends, who are at very different points in their life. The musical starts off with one of the women coming home from a first date with someone that she's completely head over heels with. (laughs) At the same time, the other woman is leaving her husband. Wowie. So, but they're very good friends. And they just, uh. they they meet up and they talk about their lives and they, they sing about their lives because it's a musical. And they're supporting each other as they go through the things that you go through once you're at those places. So, for example, the woman on the first date, her name is Cora. Cora, you know, the guy doesn't call her back quickly enough, so she's freaking out. And then at some point, you know, they get engaged and she's, you know, she freaks out a lot. That's part of her character. She's very, yeah. So she goes through like that whole first date to living together, uh, getting engaged all the way through to the conclusion, which I won't go into. And then um, Emily, the other woman, starts off, she leaves her husband couple weeks later, she finds out he has a new girlfriend, so she's mm-hmm. reacting to that. She gets very stuck in the emotions that you can get stuck in after a big life change like that, mm-hmm. and then starts to try and come back out of her shell and be open to the world again, that kind of thing. So it's basically these two lives doing very normal things and just intertwining with each other and talking with each other about what's happening.
0: Do you have a main message or anything that you would want it to convey to people?
1: When I originally started to think about it and started to write it, I wanted to write a musical that was about the things that you feel and think, but don't say. For example, a lot of the time I've found that as women, sometimes in order to not seem really emotional or overreactive or sensitive, we'll be like, okay, and just walk away from something Mm -hmm. or keep a lot of things inside. And it's the really off the wall stuff. The new girlfriend song has some, some good examples to me. There's a line where, where she says he has new girlfriend and they're going skiing. We never went skiing. Mm. I don't like skiing, but he didn't ask me. There isn't like a big overreaching message, except it's okay. Okay. All of the crazy things that you're feeling and thinking it's okay.
0: So am I. Just reminds me, I just saw something, I don't know if you remember Dr. Ruth, the um, woman that talked about sexuality, you know, the older lady that she's 92, I think now and they had some kind of a movie on her and I really loved her kind of, whether you agree with what she did or not, her tagline was, there is no normal, we're all Mm -hmm. normal. You know, and, I, and I, that sounds similar to what your message of your musical is trying to say, that we all have feelings and things that we're thinking and we go up and down through this roller coaster. And the point is, it's all okay. Yep. Yeah, it's <laughs> that's, all okay. That's Just great.
1: Just
0: do you. <laughs> that's great. So what inspired you to create that musical?
1: It was like a perfect storm culmination of things. We talked a little before about the dearth of meaty, good roles for women in musical theater sometimes, mm-hmm. the inspiration of working at a small studio theater and like getting to enjoy small cast shows. And I have a fantastic show partner. She and I have been in, I don't even know how many things together.
0: <laughs> She's an actress, singer Yes, and okay. director.
1: Uh, recently, she started directing in the last year or so. The last show I was in, she directed, which was very fun. What's her name? Beth Phillips. Okay. Fantastic. And she and I have done occasionally duet shows that were uh, singing shows where we would do like a bunch of songs from the 50s or a Broadway thing or a Christmas themed show. And we hadn't done anything like that in a while. So when I was like, I want to write a musical, I want to write a musical for a couple of women. Hey, I know another woman who sings. <laughs> 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 will
0: do this show with me and
1: put up with my weirdness okay
0: <laughs> that was the main point right there <laughs> who yep. can i find that will deal with me
1: <laughs> and, and will understand and enjoy the material the character that i wrote for her became a lot about the things i know that she likes to do but never gets to she's very much uh, the leading lady ingenue kind of person but she's got this amazing quirky sense of humor and can do weird very well and doesn't often get to.
0: Which one does she play? Cora? She
1: plays Cora. Uh, Mm
0: -hmm. How did I know? When did you start this idea?
1: Early 2017.
0: Is this your first musical? Yes. Yeah. So when you're first writing something, it's nice to have, first of all, it's wonderful that you have those connections because you are a performer, an actress and a singer. And, you segued into, through your connections, I guess, you were able to find a place to have it rehearsed.
1: The theater that inspired <clears> me <throat> to do that actually closed. The theater that we tend to both work at and perform at is a much larger venue, and I'm not sure yet where we're going to be performing. Um, oh, okay. We've been in rehearsal for a while, partly because I was still writing the book while we were working on the songs it took a while for the show to evolve. And because we're both also very involved in other theater projects, sometimes it has to go away for a while.
0: Right. It's a (laughs) lot to juggle all at once. Yeah. Yes. So where do you, where are they rehearsing? It's just the two of you in the show. So it's a very small show. And how are you doing the music? Is it going to be recorded and you sing over a track? Is that how that just keep it yeah. really bare bones?
1: Really bare bones. We, uh, we will have somebody doing any lighting and sound cue stuff. You know, so basically it will be two people on stage, one person off stage, done. Um, right now we're rehearsing at her house.
0: Do you know, so you don't yet know, it, it, have you approached that theater to see if you can have it shown there? If you can Not yet.
1: Uh, we actually had a couple of places in mind, but again, like I said we've both had a lot of projects. So we, there's there are steps in between that we need to accomplish. Uh, recording a couple of songs for a demo, getting kind of a production package together to show people, like, hey, this is a real legitimate thing. Here is what it is. Would you like for us to do it at your place?
0: And you're saying you haven't yet done the demo.
1: No, we have not. Okay, um, okay. The recordings so far that have been created <clears throat> were learning
0: recordings. When you wrote this musical, did you come up with the story or the lyrics first?
1: Um, the the very basic story, as in that shape that I was talking about, of the two curves of life, uh, came first. And then the songs came lyrics <clears throat> first, kind of one at a time. okay. Uh, And not in order, which was really frustrating. Um,
0: (laughs) Why why frustrating?
1: Because uh, the first song in the show happened first. Yay! Makes (laughs) sense and kind of flows you into, okay, what comes next? And we are, uh, as storytellers and as humans who listen to stories, very linear. Right. So for me to have gone from, let's say for Cora, for example, first date to... The song about getting
0: engaged. But that's okay. You know, that's the process. And okay, I see that. And so once you had overall storyline and then you started writing your lyrics, not necessarily in order of the Mm storyline, and then you put your music to it, then you went back and like you just said, there was from point A to point B quite a gap there. So you had to kind of scratch your head and figure out what song is going to go in there. Last
1: of all is the book.
0: Tell us how your involvement in local musical theater relates to having your musical performed. What's the journey, step by step, that you're taking to get your musical performed?
1: Basically, it's fully—it's it, as fully rehearsed as it really can be until we get out of the living room. So this, the last thing that needs to come together is we know what the staging is for the musical, but, but we don't have the space to fully do it, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. I've done three musicals, but I did them on a smaller scale. And some of them I did with grants through university and things like that. And um, mm-hmm. But I haven't done community theater. I haven't had them performed in community theater yet. A lot of times a way to get uh, your shows done is to get connected to a local community theater and mm-hmm. then talk to the management about having it shown there. Is that how what you're thinking is or what are you thinking? How are you going to stage it and get it rehearsed and get it? You know, shown.
1: It's one of the the theater that we we both spend the most time at. Is one of the places that we intend to talk to. Um, there are we've both been part of a couple of different theater communities in the area. Uh, there's a, several different community theater organizations within you know ten or fifteen miles of here. Right. So there are multiple kind of pathways <laughs> for this. Um,
0: and all of the above.
1: <laughs> and exactly. Um, so our process of where we're at now, like I said, is kind of trying to come up with a solid package that we can be like, hey, this is a whole thing. It's ready to go. I pick a place, have them pick us. And then we don't really need that much time on the stage to finish kind of polishing. It's just all the stages are different and you need to know which one you're
0: on. Right. right. <laughs> so, so you don't fall off.
1: Exactly. <laughs> I- I've done that. It's not fun. Then once that's you know set, we have a date, you know, you, you kind of just get everything together. The, the really useful thing, kind of to really directly answer your question is, even though there are only two or three people involved in creating and performing the show, there are so many other people that, you know, if you have a question about something, or, you know, you just need another set of eyes on something, uh, people you know who direct or do lighting or right. you know things like that or other actors that community is really great for kind of pulling together and our first plan is basically to perform mostly for them a workshop kind yeah. of thing yeah to just do the show as it is and go okay what works what doesn't work let's come back to this and fix it because until it's up on stage in front of people i know what i think is funny
0: Right. You got (laughs) to test it out. Right. Right. For people that are aspiring to do this kind of thing, that's a really great idea before you put it out publicly to have a dress rehearsal or as you called it a workshop for, and you're fortunate that you have you're involved in theater performances. So you have friends that are actors, directors, lighting, you know, people that know staging and all that sort of thing. And so having their feedback is really helpful because they know the theater, they know what works and what doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And getting that feedback is really a great way to kind of polish it before you put it out there. And you mentioned that once you get past that point, to get it rehearsed you know with the staging on a, an actual theater stage you mm-hmm. need what you call a demo pack tell me what's involved in that besides just having the demos of the songs in a more polished form than the the learning recordings you've been using besides that and the book itself printed that out what do you consider a demo pack what's included in that
1: it's going to depend a little bit on whether you're talking to a theater that knows you or not so okay. for us, there are a few theaters that we can kind of go to and be like, hey, you know who we are and you know the quality of our work. We have this thing. Do you have space? Right. Here are a couple of recordings. This is the style of the show. Okay. That kind of thing. For going a little further afield, it's almost like putting together a publicity pack. So you would want to have a, a program kind of sketched out as far as like a theater program that you would get at a show. I guess the best way to put it is it's a lot like a press kit.
0: Okay. The
1: actors and and a a summary and that kind of thing. Right, right. That's really the next thing. We're both not always involved in things at the same time.
0: Right, right.
1: So, for example, uh, in April and May, she and I were both involved in putting on Sister Act. She was directing and I was performing. Wow. So nothing else happened.
0: For, right. It's too much.
1: Better right. Than Fine was on hold. Over the summer, I've had more time to work on it, but she is in another show. Right. So so fortunate
0: uh, that there are only two main people in it, because can you imagine a full cast and how complicated mm-hmm. that gets? That, that gives a yeah. really good picture of how that gets a little cranky. It's a work it coming coming work to completion, progress. and there's yeah. a lot of thing, pieces to be put together in place, and you're on your way there, and it's just a matter of timing, for yeah. everybody, basically. What do you think your strengths are as a creator? You're Intense fort.
1: humility. That's all I've got.
0: <laughs> Intense humility. A lot of creators don't have that. They're very full of their ego. So that's a that's a really good trait. If you missed the first episode of our chat, Callahan shares on a more personal level about her creative process for composing game music and her original musical, Better Than Fine. I personally found Callahan to be an authentic, sincere, enthusiastic person who constantly oozes creative energy in multiple directions. Her, quote, intense humility, end quote, is an accurate description of herself as a creator. And that's something I feel can inspire us all. You can find the link to It's All Okay podcast episode part one below in the show notes. I'd like to thank Tracy Callahan for sharing her creative journey with your creative cord. You can find Callahan at TracyCallahan.com. That's spelled T-R-A-C-E, Tracy, TracyCallahan.com. And she's also on SoundCloud. And those links are also in the show notes. Thanks for joining Your Creative Chord podcast. I'm Jenny Lee Hodgins. If you enjoyed this podcast, I'd love to hear from you. Share a review to help me grow Team YCC. Leave a comment below this podcast link. Share this with others who may benefit from this info. And thank you so much. You can get more inspiring strategies for exploring creativity and inspiration at yourcreativechord.com. I invite you to join me in your Creative Chords community by joining Team YCC. You'll be the first to know about my new content, blogs, podcasts, videos, ebooks, and upcoming courses. You'll also get a free PDF checklist on how to prioritize for best results. Just go to yourcreativecord.com forward slash sign up here. That's yourcreativecord.com forward slash sign up here. See you next time on Your Creative Cord.